What's Michaela's most annoying quality and vice versa? Hmm, okay. There's nothing annoying about me. <laughs> what makes Jordan both great husbands? And how can I emulate that myself for my wife? So what do you like about dad? If I tell him what I want, he listens. And he doesn't often forget. If I don't share what I need, he won't know and we won't grow closer. I can talk to him and he doesn't get offended. I'm like, hey, this is really bothering me. Like this thing you do is really annoying. So I don't have to monitor what I say, which is so freeing, you know you get pregnant, you have hormones. And I was way more irritable and just like, didn't have as much positive emotion and wasn't that interested in Jordan, mm -hmm. which was like, that was kind of rough. How do I prepare for marriage to be the best wife I can be? Okay. How do you prepare? How do you prepare? Mom. Hi. Welcome to my <laughs> new podcast setup. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. And it's spacious. I like it. I like it too. I'm going to put something right there. Okay. <laughs> so it looks a little less empty in the middle. Yeah. So I took a bunch of questions from Instagram that people asked. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be fun if we just run through some questions. Sure. Have a nice easy podcast. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I think it's easy, do you? Depends on the questions. Depends on the questions. It's true. It is. Okay. We could start with this. We could start with dating advice. A couple of people asked about dating advice. Okay. Do you have dating advice for people? Do I have dating advice? Hmm. I could start. I haven't. Well, I, I have dating, but I, I date with my husband. It's not new dates, but if these were new dates, that's what I was thinking. Someone that you've just met. Probably someone that you've just met. Yeah, I think so. So I would say that um, do a lot of uh, listening. And that that's good advice for no matter what you're doing. But you want to know who this person is and meet with them with other people so you can see how they interact with other people. How you can so you can see how they react with people in a restaurant who are serving who are serving you, so you know what their relationship is to people um, who are who might they might be paying for their ser you might be paying for their services mm -hmm. how do they treat those people mm -hmm. you know and you want to know that and you want you want to know if you're going out to to any any place social what the relationship is between this person yourself and all the people around you and that'll teach you a lot about who they are because everybody is pretty much who they are in the spur of the moment in public. You, you, it's pretty hard to be someone that you're not, I think. And so I think that's a good trial for uh, the first time that you go out with someone is go somewhere public and pay attention. Just pay attention. You know, um, they'll be, if they're smart, they'll be, they'll be watching you too. And so be on your best behavior and try to be of service to yourself and to the other person. Like keep those things in mind. What do you think about, so when I met Jordan uh, and he asked me if he wanted to marry me, I immediately told him everything that I thought might scare him away because I was like, we didn't know each other for very long. It was really fast. It was like two weeks after meeting and he was like, I want to marry you. And I said, you have no idea what you're getting into. Hey, if you haven't checked out my anti-hangover pill, 
check it out at fullerhealth.com. It helps save your brain from the negative impact of alcohol. And even if you don't drink often, I do not drink often at all, especially now that I'm breastfeeding. I haven't yet actually, but one day. Anyway, if you don't drink often, it should be something that's part of your wellness routine anyway that you just have on your shelf. It reduces symptoms of nausea, anxiety, shakiness, and it even helps a bit with sleep deprivation because it works on GABA, as well as helps break down acetaldehyde, which is what poisons you when you drink. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and if you do like this product, please leave a review. I love reading the reviews at fullerhealth.com, code MP15 for 15% off, linked in the comments or description. Enjoy the rest of this episode with my mom. And then told him like five scary things, which were pretty scary. And it was, we'll see if I actually want to say them all on the podcast, but there was, um, you know, I'm divorced. Mm -hmm. I have a kid. Um, I work extremely closely with my family. So I'm in uh, like almost constant communication with my parents. Um, I need someone that'll help me we were already working together, so, but but a little bit, not a lot. It was like I, I would, ideally I have someone that can help me with all these projects that I'm starting because they're definitely too much for me and I work all the time. So like my ideal day, other than hanging out with kids, is really working a lot. Um, and there's an age difference. I'm older than him. So I told him all, so that was like six things. And I told him that right away. And he was like, that's all fine. And I was like, well, I don't know if it's fine. I think you might be <laughs> young and naive. We'll see. Um, but it's been working out splendidly. But what do you think? I, th- I think well, my truth, advice. Truth, yeah, right? Like, that's true. And like real honesty. Yeah. Because maybe the scary parts of you aren't as scary as you think they are. Right. Hopefully. Well, hopefully you've learned from your experiences. So, which makes you more wise than you may have been. Yeah. If like, these are all the things that happened. These too. are the things I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. a good point. Yeah. And I think if you end up scaring somebody away by telling them who you are, then they weren't meant to be anyway. That's They're right. gonna, It's going to come up anyway. Yeah. So you might as well try scaring them away at the beginning. <laughs> Saves a lot of time. <laughs> that was dating advice. K. This was kind of interesting. It's how are you different and how are you similar in parenting styles? Well, I wasn't around to witness your parenting style, but you're like kind of around to witness my parenting style. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I stayed home with my kids. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time with my kids. And uh, I I didn't put up with a lot of misbehavior. Neither do you. Um I like to set. I liked to have a routine, so a, a nightly routine. Dinners, lunches, breakfasts—all of that was routine in our house, and we ate together every meal. Um, so that was part of my parenting style was to set up routines, and I think that the routines for little kids—they start to become aware of what they can offer for those routines. So I can remember when we were in mm. Boston and Julian was pretty teeny tiny. He was, he could walk, you know, he could, he was, he was stable on his feet and Jordan was getting him to put the knives and forks on the table and he couldn't quite reach the table, but he could get them up there. That's cute. And yeah, and that was, it was good. So we tried to uh, include you guys 
in the running of the house from as early age as you could master, you know, to, to clean your to clean up your toys. And, you know, when you teach a little kid to clean up their toys, uh, you have to make it small enough that they can be successful. So it's not just clean up your room. It's, do you see this toy right here? Does this toy belong somewhere in the room? Where does it belong? On the shelf? Can you, do you think you could put it on the shelf? Like, and, and it's so it's slow. It's slow and it's one thing after the next. But if you do that, if you take the time for that, eventually they are very proud of themselves because they know how to do it on their own. And that's how you build uh, independence. Uh, and that's also how you build uh, trust because I think they can see that every day there's something this similar every day. So then they can predict their lives and that's good for them, keeps them calm. Did you, this is my question. Um, when we started doing chores, did we get paid to do things like clean our room? I've been having a discussion with Jordan because I remember like Sunday was chores day and we had this list of chores and every, I don't know, six months maybe we used to sort out like, okay, who's going to do this room and who's going to do that room? Like who's in charge of what room? And so we'd have a list of things we were supposed to do on Sundays. You remember this, right? Well, we went, we, we met on Sundays. We yeah. met on Sundays about four in the afternoon when you guys still wanted to be playing outside with your friends. But yep. Yeah. Right in the middle of the playtime. <laughs> right in the middle of playtime. Uh, but we met every Sunday at that time and we, we would say, okay, there's say five jobs in the house that have to be done every week. Who wants to choose? You choose which job do you want? So if you choose, you're going to put out the garbage, then that's your job for the week. If you choose, you're going to, um, you know, make beds. If you choose, you're going to help prepare a dinner or are you going to wash the dishes? And so but every Sunday you got to choose. So it was, oh, we did that every yeah, Sunday. Yeah, because sometimes you choose something you didn't really want to do. Oh, okay. And you only so you had to do it for okay, a week. You weren't locked in for six months. No. That's better. Um, <laughs> so I've been talking to Jordan about implementing chores mm -hmm. um, and was trying to kind of mimic. I don't think we're going to do the Sunday sit down. <laughs> I remember that was in the middle of playtime. Yeah. But I, but Jordan was like, I never got paid to do things like keep my room clean because it's my room. So it's my responsibility to keep clean. Yeah, we, so I shouldn't be paid for it. We didn't I, pay you. I, I, I thought we had we got like $2. And it was just, we had to complete all our chores. I thought it was like bundled in. That could be, but I wasn't part of that. Dad was part of the monetary He was definitely, part. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Okay, next. $2 wasn't very much. Even back then, you could only get so many sour keys for $2. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's, that's what I remember. That's, that's good. <laughs> only, only a few sour keys. Yeah. Okay, how has our relationship changed with each other? over the years, especially since Michaela had kids. Do you think me having kids has been what's changed our relationship or just time? Oh, well, I think having kids changes the relationship between a mother and a daughter. Well, you understand your mom a lot more once you go through it. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, okay, this is what she went through. That's a lot. Yeah, and there's no way you can understand no. that without having kids. I know, not at all. No. Because it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe it's as um, all-consuming all as it is because at the beginning it's all-consuming. 
and how you, you just have no idea how consuming it is because you've never done anything like that where you're at the beck and call of a of someone who needs you and you have no choice in the yeah. matter that's it's really something i had this uh well you know how much i like working and building things and creating mm -hmm. and so and i completely i had scarlet she's 6 so that was almost well so it was six years ago and like that's a very long time mm -hmm. and I feel like when the hormones wear off from the very beginning when they're really little you kind of forget again so I forgot so I had this idea during pregnancy that I was like I'm not going to take any mat leave and I didn't end up taking any mat leave before I had George because he came at 36 weeks so I actually didn't end up taking any time. But at 30, when you guys came to stay, when I was around 32 weeks, my body kind of was like, good luck doing everything you were doing. Because like, no, you need to rest more. And there wasn't much I could do to push through that. But then I completely forgot how crazy you feel. Not crazy, like insane, exactly. But like how all-encompassing a baby is once you have a baby. Because I was like, I can schedule things. And it's early. He's going to be three weeks, right? Mm -hmm. He's It's early. Mm -hmm. But like, whew, you, it's, you don't have much of a choice. It's like, oh, I have an idea of I'm going to be able to do all these things. And I forgot with the sleep deprivation and the nursing every – you nurse for like an hour every three or four hours. Right. Well, that's full-time That's your work. day. That's full-time work. Yeah, that's the day. It's like of a two-hour period where I can do a podcast. Let's see if I can handle this today. But it's crazy what um, it's crazy what moms go through. Yeah. And that time that you spend with your child when you're nursing where you can look at each other, that, yeah. is, that is magic. Yeah. That's magic. It's good for him. It's good for the mom that creates that attachment that's the first thing that stops creates the attachment, attachment issues yeah mm -hmm. yeah crazy and then when the kid gets a little bit older he'll start to really pay attention to your reactions to his emotions to see if he's got his emotions if he's expressing emotions properly oh i watched this and I knew this already because mm -hmm. because of Scarlett and having a kid. Mm -hmm. But I watched this video on it was on Instagram or something, and it showed what happens if you overreact to a kid falling over. Mm -hmm. So if a kid falls over, there's this like split second where they look at you to see how they're going to react. Mm -hmm. And if you react in a neurotic way, like ah, oh, are you like oh my gosh that must have hurt? They'll scream mm -hmm. and like who knows what they're feeling if they see pain in your face, right? Yeah, right. And then if you go oh that was kind of funny, like you're okay, like get yourself up. Sometimes they'll laugh instead of scream and so it's important to be stable and like a calm presence and not try and make, make your it kids more neurotic yeah and to, for them to come for a hug when they need a yeah. hug you know when you were only about you were 22 months old when julian was born and we taught you to before he was born to come for a hug whenever you needed one and we told you that you know i was going to be really busy yeah. Once the baby was born. And so I needed you to come to me and tell you, tell me what you needed. And you did. You know, like we practiced it before he was born. And then 
if Jordan and I, if he would come home from work and give me a hug, you'd stand, you'd get in between us. Oh, Scarlett does that. Yeah. And that's very that's, good. That's cool. Yeah. That's very good. That's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I talked to Scarlett about it too. Cause I was like in bed for two weeks Yeah, after having a baby. Uh, and I told her that at the beginning, the baby takes a lot of time cause I'm really tired and he's really tired and nursing is a lot. So she has to come for attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That is good. Okay. What makes Jordan both? Mm-hmm. It's both. not actually convenient that we're both married to somebody named Jordan, but mm-hmm. it's convenient for this question to ask her. What makes Jordan both great husbands? And how can I emulate that myself for my wife? So what do you like about dad? Um, he's very devoted to me. He is. Yeah. Very He's very, he's very in love with you. Yeah, he is. Nice. Yeah. He, he, uh, if I tell him what I want, he listens and he pays attention and he doesn't often forget. So sharing, sharing truthfully what I need with him is really important because then he gets to know me better. And without, if I don't share what I need, he won't know and we won't grow closer. And so we're very close because I try to be, you know, the whole, the whole thing when we were first married, it was tell the truth. That was the rule, tell the truth. And so we've practiced that for 35 years. What's an example of something that you need? I need him to buy me clothing that I like. And when he first bought me clothing, it wasn't anything I liked, (laughs) but I didn't say never buy me clothing again. You know, I said, your forte, just give up. Yeah, that's right. I, so I had to educate him on what was, what was a successful purchase and what was a not successful purchase. And, and he paid attention and he, he got better at it. So that was good because it gave him pleasure to be able to buy me something that I wanted. Do Do you remember, uh, the Christmas, it must have been 2015, <laughs> we had a Christmas and dad got me this little leather bat purse. And this is when I was in university and I had taken out a loan and I didn't have very much money. And it was this bat purse and it was this big and it was a leather bat. And it had the silver chain and I was like, okay, I can't even fit a phone in this. I can barely put like coins in here. It's like leather, and he's all happy about this leather bat purse. And then he got you a, it was a skeleton bracelet holding on to it was, your it, arm. It was a, it and was it a hand, a skeleton. Bones. Yeah, right up to the wrist. Yeah, it was and horrifying. It, it was hor. We opened it, and I don't think any of us could be like fake the positive emotion. And dad was so excited about this skeleton hand skeleton bracelet and this little bat purse (laughs) it was like merry christmas (laughs) i think he thought well i don't know he must have missed halloween i don't know i don't know (laughs) pretty funny yeah yeah but it but it's funny what else so what else what else because there's more you know he is uh a very mm, He's a man who's, a, he's a deep thinker, right? He's definitely a deep thinker. But just because he's a deep thinker doesn't mean he knows everything. 
that that's not what that means. It means he's thought very deeply about the things that he's thought deeply yeah. about. But the problem with that often is that there's other things that he is not so aware of. And so helping him become aware of these things that he's missed helps our relationship too. And I was very different than him. He was a very, he was a, a, an academic. He was a, um, an intellectual. And I was spiritual and physical. And so we brought different, we brought different values to the relationship. And so I think those things that we shared, what we treasured in our lives with each other, and we became closer and closer. Well, it's kind of amazing watching you guys because like my Jordan and I were similar, I would say, wouldn't mm -hmm. you say? Like there, yes, there's yes, you're similar. But we're pretty similar personality-wise. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys aren't. No. Like, And it's pretty marked. So it's interesting that you guys work so well together being so different. Well, you know, we do share some things. We're both open. So we're both yeah, creative. Very. And so we share that openness. We share that creativity. Um, he's, you know, and I'm extroverted. I know. He's just crazy extroverted. I, know. I used to think, <laughs> I used to think that you weren't extroverted because of how extroverted dad is. And I was like, oh no, you have your own podcast. You're opening his shows. And you're, you talk too when right. you, like you go out to parties and things, you're buzzing around, but he's like, he's on another level of, yes. of extroverted. Yeah. So I was like, oh, mom's introverted. And then I met some actual introverts and I was like, oh, that's not it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I'm kind of, my personality is kind of middle of the road compared to his. You're both conscientious too. We're both. You're more orderly. We're both conscientious. both conscientious. Yeah. So it's really just the. And although he's quite agreeable and I'm more disagreeable uh, in terms of being a man and a woman, our personalities are probably fairly close that way. Hmm. I'm more disagreeable than him, but not very much more, a little bit more. It's noticeable because I'm more blunt. He's more polite and that can cause trouble. That can definitely cause trouble. I can say something blunt and it'll embarrass him and he'll accept something that he probably wouldn't have accepted if he wasn't embarrassed. So I have to be really careful that I don't say something to, to uh, make him uncomfortable. Do you, so when you say those things, because I remember being made uncomfortable by things you would say as a teenager too. I think less so now. Yeah. Actually, I don't think at all anymore, which is funny. I don't I don't think I you've said something that made me feel uncomfortable in years. I was like, nah, she's probably right. Like, <laughs> but as a teenager for sure, mm -hmm. maybe that's partly cuz I wasn't well. Um Well, it wasn't just that. It was partly me too. I think that uh, my experience when I was ill and uh my mm, humility that I gained from that experience of being so sick has been very good for me and my relationships with other people. Hmm. Okay. That's definitely possible. I think so. Well, I think we get along splendidly now. Yeah, we do. We've had a really good time. We've been here together off and on for a number of weeks now, right? Mm -hmm. So that's pretty like good. a month. And I was, I, before I got here, I, w I wasn't sure. 
Like, I wonder how we're going to get along, but it's been just fine. Yeah. Yeah. You guys came to stay when I was 32 weeks. Yeah. And that was kind of the time when I was like, oh, I'm really tired. Um, yeah. I wasn't that worried about it. I know dad called me and we we're like, is this going to be okay? We're all in the same house. But um, it's been totally fine. Well, and you guys are pretty good at, and Jordan Fuller also is pretty good at telling us yeah, what he, he's thinking. He's blunt. So, he's blunt. But he's blunt like I'm blunt. Very. Mm-hmm. I know. He, um, Dad bought this container for our sink because we have this big sink in the kitchen. And if you wash dishes in it, like food will get stuck in the corner and then you have to like rinse out the corners. So Dad bought a bucket for the sink to wash dishes in. <laughs> and Jordan... My Jordan had an issue with this bucket in the sink. We're not having a bucket in the sink. Our house is filling up with, it's like I just married a version of my mother. But uh, <laughs> but then a couple of days ago, they're both in the kitchen and dad goes, we figured out how to organize ourselves with a bucket. I can use the bucket and then it'll just go in this cupboard. And then my Jordan was like, yeah, we can both get behind that. But I was like, this bucket was a big deal three weeks ago, this sink bucket. I was like, I don't care. I'm about to have a baby. I don't care about the bucket in the sink, Jordan. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good, though. It's been fun. It's been nice having you here. Thank you. It's been good to be here. Um, And then I guess I could answer that again a bit. What, what makes my Jordan a good husband? Yeah. Hmm. Well, he really likes me, too, which is really nice. Um. It's important. Yeah. It's mm. really important to like each other. They, mm. That sounds silly, but like, that's very important. Like, they should basically be your best friend. Yeah. Otherwise, how are you going to live with somebody for a long period of time who's not your best friend? And so, I don't know. He's my best friend. I guess that's what makes him a great husband. And he does care about things. Sometimes I have to hammer it in a little bit. He's also a challenge, right? Jordan's a challenge. My Jordan's oh, you know a challenge. What's great? I know what's great. What? I know what's great. I can talk to him and he doesn't get offended when I talk to him. So I'm like, hey, this is really bothering me. This is like this thing you do is really annoying. And he either argues with me for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we'll c- come to some consensus about it. But he doesn't get offended by it. So I don't have to monitor what I say, Mm -hmm. which is so freeing because if you talk to someone and you can pick up that they're kind of like, oh, like they get offended, Mm -hmm. then you can't communicate with them. You're like, okay, this thing is bugging me. How do I bring it up to this person without hurting their feelings? And that's so exhausting to think in the back of your mind all oh, the time. Oh, Im- and impossible to be, always well, be able to do that. And it means that you just lie. How do I say this in a way that doesn't hurt their feelings? Is like, you don't have to be rude to people. You don't have to be, like you said, you don't have to be as blunt as you can possibly be towards somebody. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can think about the way you say things to bring them up in an appropriate way. But having to monitor everything you say all the time is just, it just makes you either not say things or lie. So I'd say that's the best thing about him is I can talk to him without him getting offended. So any little problem we have, and we'll have little problems throughout the day, they aren't really problems because I can just say them. And then sometimes there's a problem with me, right? And sometimes when I talk to him, I'll go, okay, I'm not feeling good. 
that's obviously what's happening is like I'm anxious and then so maybe it's a problem with me but that's probably my favorite thing about him other than the fact we get along really well is I can just talk to him without him being offended well it's very helpful for both of you or both of us to be self-reflective so that we can tell what our moods are like and help our partners understand where we're coming from because you, you don't want to impose yourself on someone else because you're nervous about something or afraid of something like angry and, or resentful yeah so or... t so tell tell your partner how you're if you're if there's something that is motivating you that you're not comfortable with it share share that and talk it through until you have a until you have until the dance of your relationship reemerges again then you know you've talked enough because otherwise if it's still there you haven't negotiated enough and you have to you have to keep at it you know you have to bring that to a resolution so that it is no longer there's no longer any sharp edges to mm. it yeah yeah mm -hmm. then the fun emerges again hey guys check out these soaps this is what i use these are what i have at my house i'm allergic to soap generally as is my mom took after my mom in a lot of ways that way uh, like that movie theater soap that's pink and liquid literally makes my hands turn bright red anyway i use stone and spear soap they carry moisturizer soap face cream shampoos deodorants lip balms toothpaste etc they're all made from all natural ingredients like tallow and tallow soap does not bother me Look at this hippie soap. Anyway, I'm forced into reducing toxins from my life because of autoimmune responses. And it's really something everyone should do before they have autoimmune problems or chronic illness, given we're exposed to an insane number of chemicals in our environment. Beef tallow, which is rich in omega-3s and vitamins A, D, E, K2, B12, choline, is the perfect substance to cleanse nourish and moisturize our skin and it's what was used in soap before soap manufacturers got a hold of soap big soap their moisturizer is also bomb and works insanely well for dry skin if you put it on your legs it makes your legs like shine in a very nice way check them out at stoneandspeartallow.com use code mp for 10 percent off my favorite products are these they have this charcoal soap this soap and their moisturizers they're linked in the comments or the description. Enjoy the rest of this episode. It's wild too with all the like, so pregnancy hormones. I was definitely, you know, you get pregnant, you have hormones. So our relationship changed during that. And I was way more irritable and just like didn't have as much positive emotion, just didn't feel as good. And wasn't that interested in Jordan, mm -hmm. which was like, that was kind of rough for, because it's eight months, mm -hmm. me being like, I don't really want to be touched. Like, kind of nauseous i'm just just like maybe i should go live in a cave for the next eight months and reemerge with a baby <laughs> um but we seem to ne have negotiated that pretty well but that changes so even if you the nice thing about communicating with somebody else throughout all these things is especially if you have kids is like your relationship changes goes up and down but if you just can communicate then you can come out on the other side but being able to talk to somebody without them taking offense is that's really important for that's really important for me apparently. And I think also if you, in terms of romance in a relationship and keeping the romance alive, 
if you don't have this communication with each other, if you don't keep keep up with the li little niggly things that bother you, if you don't discuss those things, then if you try to have a date, uh, yeah, those will be in your way. And so you have to have communication, ongoing communication, so that when you decide one night that you want to have a date, it's possible. You're not annoyed about the last 30 things you guys didn't talk about. That's right. So don't let it get away on yourself. Like keep up, keep up. If there's something and you know what? So my dad passed away. My dad died two weeks ago. Yeah. Almost three. Yeah. So on the 11th of December, actually the day that George was born, which was awesome because he brought joy to us. That's the way it should be. Yeah. That's the way it should be. That was pretty. Yeah. Weird. It was, it was, it was perfect. Nice. It was perfect. My dad, he left. And he left and George came. There was something mystical about that. It was really something. It was crazy, actually. You guys called me. You yeah. FaceTimed me right when my water broke. Yeah. Right? Is that right? It, it had broken maybe 20 minutes before. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then you called. I was like, whoa. Wow. A lot yeah. going on today. Yeah. A lot going <laughs> on today. Yeah. I can't remember what I was going to say now. But well, anyway. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. Okay. Do we have any shared quirky behavior? Oh, probably. Share. I don't know if we share any. <laughs> um, but do you, what do you, how do you define quirky behavior? I don't know. Let me think. Is there anything that I do that reminds me of you? Well, I think the main similarity that we share is now that I'm older is I'm probably pretty fast to pick up on people or judge people, if you want to call it that. It's judging people, but it's also, I think, being intuitive. And I, I think I get that from you, not dad. Because mom used to, I used to bring friends home. This is something that just bothered me so much as a teenager. I used to bring friends home. And sometimes I'd bring a friend home. And you'd kind of be cold and you'd just be like, nah, not that person. <laughs> And I was like, mom, why are you so mean to, I don't know if it was obvious to anybody other than like your family, but I was like, why are you like kind of cold and mean to this person? What did they do? They don't deserve that. And then inevitably each time that person would be just some hor like horrible person. It just was, full oh, of trouble. I had, this is good. I, so when I moved out, I went to Concordia in Montreal and I moved into this apartment and the apartment had five people living in it, including me, and one of the guys living in it, who was about three or four years older than me, was insane. Um, and he'd had, like, he was just, he was, he had a lot of money. I don't think he'd had any attention as a kid. And he was, so there were reasons that led him into being the the person he was, but the person he was was not a great person. And he was old enough that, like, you have to get yourself together. You can't just blame your childhood for the your personality anymore. But we went into that apartment and he was crazy as soon as I got there. So he came out and he was like, did you use my towel? I was like, I literally just moved my stuff and I don't even know who you are. Like, did you use my towel? It's like, I didn't use your towel. And mom just goes and hides in my room. And And my dad, and we go out for dinner afterwards and my dad's like, well, he might just... He's given all these reasons why this guy might be fine. And mom's just like, oh, no, he's he's nuts. He's nuts. And wow, was he nuts. <laughs> anyway, I ended up moving out of that, con yeah, that condo that. in four months because we fought so much. He lied 
it was that was the first time I came across somebody who lied all the time. Oh, dear. He convinced me, this is actually crazy. He convinced me that he was friends with the people who owned the condo building and he'd chosen us all as roommates. Mm. And we were just there because he'd looked at our, because you needed an application to get in. Mm. And on my application, I, I had like stays up late, goes out, like because you, you write all that down and they theoretically put you together with other people like you, which they don't do. It was just to make you feel good about filling out a form. But um, he came in one day, he was like, you lied about your form. And I was like, I didn't lie on my form, but I had thought, I thought for like three months that he'd chosen us as roommates because he was always hanging downstairs with the people at the front desk and things. Wow, there like a lot of things went on in that apartment. But then you went and you lived with two of the girls that lived in that. You took, I, I you moved took apartments. Them. No, I didn't take anyone. I, I oh, moved you didn't out. Take, oh, yeah, you know, and you know, some. part of the reason I moved out is because on my birthday, he came in and told me all the roommates had signed to get me to move out because we were really fighting. Like mm. he had he had some OCD tendencies, and I used to move things around in the condo to to bother him. <laughs> but it was because. I'd put dishes away and he'd tell me I put the cups in wrong. Yeah. And I, it was like driving me crazy. And anyway, he told me all the roommates had signed this piece of paper mm. and got me like to move out. And so I moved because I didn't like him anyway. And then all the roommates were like, why'd you move? I was like, well, you know, there was this piece of paper and you guys asked me to move out. And I was like, there was no piece of paper. Anyway. That was good luck actually because you left there. Thank that. goodness I left that and moved <laughs> in with right. a bunch of girls and... Had they were time. equally insane like me and it was it was a good time. Yes. You had much better time the next semester. But but you uh you figured him out in about two seconds. Yeah. Just left. I just looked at him and thought, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> How do I prepare for marriage to be the best wife I can be? And this is a question for you. <laughs> okay. How do you prepare? How do you prepare? Well, you think about mm, who, if you've had any good, hopefully you've had a good uh, male in your life, a good man in your life. Maybe it's your father, but maybe it's your uncle. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a priest. I mean, I don't know who who the good example of a man is someone who you can trust and someone who you could look up to and think about who that is someone that someone you admire and that could be your husband like really really deeply think about the attributes that that person had that makes you admire them that's your husband write those things down and then Pray on that. Say this is this is who I, this is who I'm looking for. This is my Prince Charming. That's that's who I'm looking for. And you're way more likely. You're way more likely to meet someone then who's like that because your eyes are open, and you have a focus, and you you have a goal in mind. And so that's really helpful because you're not, as George says, you're not going to hit a goal if you don't aim for it. I like that. Mm -hmm. Write down what you want. Write down what you want. And pray on it. Yeah. That seems, that sounds like sound advice. I think my advice would be practice for a female in particular, like how to be a good wife. Practice not doing things you don't want to do. 
and, and setting up proper boundaries so that when you get into a relationship, you'll be able to tell the truth. And I think I struggled with that until I was about 27. And I think some people struggle for a lot longer, but I think some people figure it out a lot earlier. And I would just say, try to have the proper boundaries. So don't say yes to anything you don't want to do. Yeah. Because it's kind of a lie. It, well, go, that's a sin. That's a sin of, uh, of sorts, I think. Saying yes to things that make that you don't want to do. Yeah. Even or, if you think or, it's better or you wanting should. something and then not insisting. That's another kind of sin. Sin of omission. Not doing what you not doing what, what you need to do is a sin too. It's a sin for your own soul, you know. I mean it, yeah, right? it hurts you. Yeah, it hurts you. So you have to be careful of those things. Yes, those are important things. Yeah. And I think you can work. I think you can do a lot of work on yourself before you find someone to just turn yourself into somebody people want to be married to, or that ideally your your future spouse will fall in love with. Yeah. But I think it's really important, especially for women, because I don't know if it's how our personality is, just being female and more more compassionate, um, generally speaking, or if it's from how we're brought up as women. Like, so I think some of it might be societal, which is just like, a, if you're a, a girl, you should be doing more for other people. I think that that might be societal in, in some way. Um, but it's also personality wise, you want to do more for more people. Um, you might do more for more people and leave yourself out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, I don't know if more women do that. Men, maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, there's definitely men that do that as well. There's men that do that as well. But you have to realize that who you are, uh, who you are today is not who you're going to be tomorrow and definitely not who you're going to be in 10 years. And you have to do what you need to do for that person to prosper too. And actually you can't really help other people unless you're helping yourself to become a better person. So you have, you, you really, I think you do have to really focus on your own needs, what you need, not what you want particularly, but what you need, what, what, uh, what grips you, you know, what brings meaning to your life. You mm. have, you have to do those things. And if you do those things, it'll inspire you to be, uh, to, 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 uh, share what you know, and to help other people find their way and, you know, so, but it's really important because, you know, when, so when my dad died a couple of weeks ago, I learned something. Um, I, a couple of days after I got here, uh, he had only been dead for a couple of days when I came because we are going to have a celebration of life this summer. And we cremated him and we went there and that was good. But then we left and my husband didn't come back with me. So I was alone here. And uh, I was alone for about five days, and then I talked. I'm taking Catholic lessons, so I talked to my priest, and I admitted that I was feeling resentful because my husband didn't come home with me, and I was grieving, and I was suffering. And he said, did you pray on it? And I thought, yeah, I prayed on it. And then I thought, well, did I actually, like, did I really pray on it? And I thought, oh, my goodness. I was looking to have my grief relieved from my husband or even from my daughter or even from my granddaughter from people when I needed to ask God 
to come to me and help me with that. And once, and it just came to me that that was actually right. And hmm. that night, that night I received my dad's obituary and I thought, oh, it's a beautiful obituary. It just says exactly who he was in the best yeah, li best light was, possible. Yeah. And Jordan, my Jordan, wrote it. And my brother Dale. Oh, did he write it? He wrote it right in the funeral home. He just started to write it. Oh, and then my brother edited that. it, and we, you know, sent it to everyone who wanted to add something, and you know, got it done. But my, Jordan wrote it, and you know, my husband has known my dad since. George was seven years old. He's known my dad. So he did really know him and he did really like him. And so he's, he wrote a beautiful obituary and I wanted to share it with people. I had asked God to come to me and, and help me with my grief. And then I just felt like sharing my love for my father with everyone. And I shared it with like 36 people on Messenger. Anyone who might know him, I sent it to him. My friends, Jordan's friends, my cousins, like people I have, high school friends, like anybody who might have known him, I sent it to them. And then I started getting all these responses and these little stories about him. And I started to cry and I cried quite a bit that Aww. night, but it was what I needed. It was what I needed, but I couldn't reach out with this love that I felt for my dad until I had asked it, until I had asked for God to come and help me with my grief because I was... I was, uh, I was lonely, but of course I, I'm not alone because I have this constant love from the Lord above and I can ask for that whenever I want. I just am not that used to it. So I hadn't asked properly, but when I did ask properly, I felt so full that I just wanted to share love everywhere. And I thought, wow, that's wonderful and remarkable. So I'm definitely bad at that. How, but I guess if you go through something traumatic or if you're having a hard time, I mean, is it unreasonable to have people around you to support you? Oh, no, I don't think it's unreasonable, but it's really hard. You can't get something from them. They, they aren't going yeah, to give yeah, you. Yeah. You have to give to them. So when I was sick with cancer... And I came home to tell Julian that I was going to die in 10 months. And I had accepted it in the doctor's office as if it was true. And I came home to tell him that. And I saw this deep love, like maternal love. Oh, I'm sorry. Postpartum for this. Sorry, sorry. But when I saw that, I, I was filled up with, with love. I realized that I was worthwhile saving because I was his mother and so, and I wanted to stay around to be his mother, right? And when I was just thinking about me, whether I was going to live or die, I was thinking about myself just as myself, not about who I'm attached to and who's attached to me, which is the important part of the whole, of the whole story is who am I, who do I have relationships with? All those people. Yes, all those people are really, really important. Even all those people I messaged on Messenger are really important people. But I can't reach out to them until I'm filled up with love that I have asked for from God. And I didn't know that, but I certainly know it 
repeatedly. And so I learned it that day with that cancer diagnosis and told Julian that only God knows when I'm going to live or die. First of all, I realized that and that I would accept whatever treatment came my way because I wanted to stay alive as long as possible to be with him and serve him in whatever way I could and Jordan and you and like whoever else, but he was there at that, at that moment. And now my dad has died and I was grieving and not unsure of how to deal with it. But once I realized too that I realized, oh my goodness, I need to ask directly from above, come to me, I need you, I'm suffering. And then I was full of love, like just like that. Just like that. How can that be? (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. You know, that's wild. But it's happened twice now in my life. Wow. And I think if I practice it, it can happen who knows how much. Wow. Yeah, it's a practice. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's a practice. All, All the things that you take through your life, like being married, this, you know, uh, when you come home at night, how you want to be treated when you come in the door. You want that every day you come home. That's a practice, you know. Uh, at, at the dinner table, how you interact with each other. At the mm-hmm. dinner table, that happens every night. You want that to be a practice. And you want to perfect it and make it beautiful and loving. And then you can have that in all parts of your life. And it's uh, it's a blast, to do that. It makes your life into an adventurous, a loving adventure. And wow, what else do you need really than that? So yeah, it's pretty cool. (laughs) That is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That was nice. Good. Yeah, I have to remember that. Yeah, remember that. If you can, call me if you're suffering and I'll say, you know, did you take that in prayer? Okay, maybe I'll do that. That's, that's, that's a good stepping stone. Yes. Jordan sometimes will be fighting about something and he'll be like, maybe you should pray. Yeah. Like, I don't want to pray right now. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, maybe I do. But <laughs> but not from not from you telling me. <laughs> yeah. I can yeah. call you. That should work. Yeah, you could. Okay. Um, how did you feel being a stay-at-home mom? How did I feel? I had no cell phone. Right? It was before cell phones. It was before the internet was just getting going. So it, there was really no communication except for what I would... There was a telephone and there was going outside and finding people. So, so I, it, was, it was lonely, for sure. But um, I had some things I liked to do. You know, I was an artist. And uh, I drew you when you were just teeny, right? Just when you could sit up, I drew pictures of you. And I really liked that. So I think you have to maintain those interests that you have. Uh, Some people, you know, it's, you know, back to work. I don't recommend that. If you don't have to go back to work, I wouldn't go back to work because your baby needs you for, uh, and you need to nurse if you can. And you need the baby. And you need the baby. Yes. You're finding that, right? Sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You need the baby and the baby needs you. And so don't go back to work, but engage in and and give people and, and uh, bring people over and 
you know, spend bring time people with over. people, bring people over, uh, go for walks. If you can go for your walks. And it's so funny when I remember I lived in a part of Montreal that was, um, let's see, it was Italian, Portuguese. It was Portuguese. And uh, we used to go out for breakfast in the morning. It was $3.25 for bacon and eggs. It was nothing, you know. And Jordan and I used to go out for breakfast all the time. And when you were born, we took you out to breakfast with us because a little baby, you can pretty much take them anywhere. And I remember this man, he was Frenchman with black curly hair and burly guy. He was looked like a lumberjack from Quebec, Frenchman. And he turned around. He was in the next... Uh, seat he turned around and the smile on his face and he was just like coochie, 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 coochie. all of a sudden he turned into a father you know and uh if i hadn't had a baby well he wouldn't have turned around or had anything to do with us and so i noticed that i could walk around the neighborhood now and crossing the street mm. people would stop and say hello or or uh, congratulate us and and it was so different all of a sudden this place that had really been pretty anonymous I was pretty anonymous nobody even really my upstairs neighbor didn't even know I was pregnant even though I had a baby in January I had probably lots of big clothes on and he didn't notice but once the baby was there then everybody noticed and everybody said hello and all of a sudden I was part of the community in a way that I hadn't been before I was part of this club of parents that is broad and it's not class-based or anything. It's just all the people who have children and everybody can have children. So it's everyone. And in that way, then I wasn't lonely because I had all of that kind of community around me and it was good. I think I was so stressed out with Scarlett that I couldn't pick up on that. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like it. I was so anxious. It was crazy. Mm. It was so rough. But it's not like that anymore at all. That's good. So thank God for yeah, that. Yeah, well, once, once George gets a little older and you can go out, you'll see it this time. You'll yeah, see it. yeah, yeah. Well, I remember people coming up, but I remember just being like, people I don't know. I don't want to talk to you just because I have a baby. Yeah. Well, Della told me, my sister told me when I had a baby, I'd be a member of a new club. And uh, it is, you're a member of, you're now a member of the club, of the family club that you weren't a member before and you never even saw it existed, but now you're part of it and people will welcome you in. I think it's because you understand how like hard it is, what, oh, it, yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's what just it really... is. It, it's profound. It's a profound change. There's nothing that grows up a girl except for having a baby that grows a girl into a woman yeah and it grows a boy into a father and that grow it grows you up and so it's it's so profound what's michaela's most annoying quality and vice versa mm, okay hmm. there's nothing annoying about me <laughs> <laughs> Um, I won't be offended. I promise. You're kind of, you're kind of blunt. I'm, I'm afraid you're a bit like me. You're kind of blunt, and so in emails sometimes you can oh. be a little, a little hard to take. And I'd say that's probably the most annoying part. <laughs> Was that just pregnant me though, or did that happen mm, before pregnant me? I think that I think that you have a tendency to be rather blunt. Okay, I was gonna say 
your most annoying quality is your tendency to be rather blunt. <laughs> it's kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah. And when I realized that you were blunt, I thought, uh oh, she's just like me. <laughs> I didn't want that to be the case, but it is the That's case. That's funny. Okay. That's funny though. We've both got that and it's both kind of, it's both annoying. Yeah. So it is annoying, yeah, right? It, yeah, it is annoying. It's not like you're just like me and so it's fine. No, actually that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I think Jordan's made it worse. Well, I but, think when you love someone, you can be very blunt with them. So you have to be really careful with the people you love not to be blunt with them. And I've noticed that when I'm blunt, things that I, that aren't supposed to happen, that I don't even want to happen, do happen. And when I'm kind and, you know, if I have something to say to reserve it until the right time so that it comes till God's time so that when it comes, it's not because I decided it comes, it comes because it was the right time for it to come. And then it doesn't cause any waves. That's much better. That's important. Yeah, it's really important. Wait, waiting for things to happen too when you realize oh, this thing, like this thing should happen, or I want this thing to happen, whether it's at work or in your relationship. Yeah. But I've noticed that in terms of work. So building Peterson Academy is like, there's some parts that have been really difficult to like, oh, we're missing a feature. Like something's missing here. Um, but we're not sure how to integrate it or we're not exactly sure how to make it fit. Um, oh, like, okay. So the writing component for the app, we were like, we're going to have all these courses online and we're going to have testing involved in the courses. But for some courses like humanities courses, you kind of need an essay component. Um, and it took a year and a half of me being like, how on earth do you incorporate an essay component into an app where you don't want people to go off the app? Like it's kind of messy. So we didn't incorporate it. And then like two days ago, we figured out how to incorporate it in. And for people watching, it's going to be opt-in. You don't, you're not forced to write essays if you watch the courses. You can just watch the courses and learn. But if you want to write essays, there's now a way to write them. Mm. But it was the same, um, I think, since probably since becoming a Christian. And I was like, God, there's a real, there really is something to God's timing where you yeah. can say, I really want this to happen. And you can push on it and push on it. And if it just doesn't work, like all the doors are closed and you can't get through them, you can just wait sometimes. And sometimes, I don't know, it takes like the essay component for the apps, not that important of a, mm -hmm. of but an issue in it life. Take? It took a year and a half. Right. So these things take, they happen in the time that they're supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool though. You it just is be very like, well, cool. he'll take care of it at yeah. some point. But It'll just the line only up. way to notice it is to pause and not say the thing that is going to cause conflict and to wait to like put it aside what the thing that you want to say. Maybe it's significant. Maybe it's not, but maybe it's significant. Let's put that aside and we're just going to file it. We're going to file that. And then when it's right to say it, we'll say it. And that time may never come. How is that different though? I hate doing that, by the way. <laughs> like if I if there's something wrong, I'm like, this needs to be figured out. I'm getting this out of me right now. But how is that different than hiding things? Well, you are you are acknowledging that you have something to say. Okay. But, but you're filing it. So you're not saying I'm not gonna say that. You're saying I'm gonna I'm going to uh, give this to God and God will help me 
know when the right time is. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's faith. It's a, it's a move of faith to put something that you strongly desire. You really, but you know that if you presented it now, it would be trouble. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. No, I've, I can think of some examples then. Yeah. Yeah. You put decide. And sometimes I'll say whatever that was in a moment and think, oh, right there, that thing was, and, and I've said it and it wasn't even my plan because now's the right time and it didn't cause any trouble. Mm. And I think, huh, wow, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I can get behind that. Okay. Was there ever a rocky time between you two and how did you handle it? Oh yeah, there was lots of rocky times. Tons between. of rocky times. Yeah, tons of rocky times. But really, you were very sick. And I and I also had my own health troubles too, right? When I used to eat gluten, oh my God. And when I used to take, well, I stopped taking the birth control pill when Julian was born, so you didn't know me then. But when I used to eat gluten, oh my God. It was... First of all, it was exhausting because I was falling asleep all the time, but I also had no patience. It made me kind of crazy. And so I, I was much more reactive than, than I am now. Now I'm pretty, you know, pretty. Yeah. And I was insanely sick. volatile. Yeah. And very, but very and, but, sick. But sick yeah. from, and like with the antidepressants and just so sick that yeah we had rocky times but when I look back at that like mm -hmm. especially during my teenage years I mostly look back and think whoa like I was really sick that's, and that's what I think too yeah okay yeah that's all that's all I think really yeah and I think well it's just it was unfortunate and it couldn't be dealt with any sooner than it was dealt with I always I prayed to my mother. You know, my mother died in 2007. How old were you then? Um, you were born in 92. I had the joints replaced in 2009. Yeah. 17, I would have been 15. So when my mother died, I started, and I may have prayed to her before that, but because she was ill for a couple of years. Not 15. That would make me much older than I am. I was not 15. <laughs> Let's just clarify that. I don't have to be any older than I already am. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would have... I don't know, younger than 15, maybe 12. <laughs> so uh, so I started praying for you then through my mom every day. And I just asked my mom to intercede. You know, come and intercede, mom, we need you. Aw. Mm -hmm. And then you got better and I was like, thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, mom. What were your first impressions of my husband? I remember. Oh, I remember. We Where did we meet? In a restaurant? Like we were sitting somewhere. I think it might have been a restaurant. And he sat beside me. And uh, he would he turned to me. He'd say, hi, Tammy. He'd say, hi. Did I tell you I love your daughter? <gasps> Aww. And then, and he told me that that night five times. Really? Five times. Yeah. That's so nice. Aww. Yeah. We that's were arguing before this podcast, but that's pretty sweet. Aw, <laughs> uh, that's nice. Yes. I think your first impression was I was at the cottage with you guys and he was FaceTiming me and um, I introduced you to him on the phone yeah. and you went, are you gay? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I did, didn't I? <laughs> that was your actual, that was the less sweet first impression. But like, to be fair. He was pretty nice He's got looking. good hair, yeah. Yep. So I thought, well, maybe. I gotta ask. <laughs> I think you were just testing him. That was sure definitely was. Oh, that was definitely just a test. Yeah. It's just that's what we mean Let's by see like if he blunt. Has a sense of humor. Yeah. Like Yeah. Yeah. What's his reaction gonna be if I just say this? Don't <laughs> well, my, even know that who was this what guy my dad is. Dad was like, right? I know. Yeah, so I've inherited some of that. It's funny though. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, best advice that you gave me. This one's for me. Mm-hmm. Advice. I think the thing I, that I'm most grateful that, that I got from you, rather than it wasn't straight up advice, like dad doling out advice, mm-hmm. it it was watching you probably taught me to be more intuitive. Like I always knew you were intuitive and I didn't understand what that was. And I didn't believe, I didn't even believe in intuition until I think I got off all medications and was like, oh, you know, there are things you can pick up on that are because of your intuition, not, and they're real. And I I couldn't even access that until I got off all the medication. But I think watching you be intuitive helped. And I think also watching you dive into all these quacks you brought me to. Mom, when I was sick, starting from like grade two, mom just brought me to people that I thought were quacks. Every naturopath. One after another. And it was every naturopath. It was people that got you to hold hold metal bars to see how you reacted to sugar and things. And I was on, I was so sick that like, I wasn't able to go to a naturopath and have them give me supplements and have them make any semblance of difference. And the more we tried, the more skeptical I got. Mm -hmm. But you just brought me to like person after person after person trying and trying and trying and trying. And so who knows how much of my ability to just keep looking and keep looking and keep looking for answers to whatever problem pops up is from that. Who knows how much of a difference that made because that I definitely learned that from you. Thank you for telling me that. You're welcome. Thank you for doing that for me. Even though I was not happy about it at the time. Gratitude. It's a good thing. I think we we could end with this one. What's it like living beside someone as famous as Jordan and how does it affect you? Well, let's see, when George was, when I was sick, and then he was sick, and we'd been apart, and then we were finally together again, and we just hadn't been out to dinner in three years, right? And we invited Julian and Jill to go out for dinner, and we go into this restaurant, and we just sit down, and I can see out of the corner of my eye this lady running across the restaurant, (laughs) you know, so excited, and I thought, oh my God, it's starting again, and I wasn't ready right I wasn't ready and he and she was coming to tell Jordan how much she loved him you know and and I got up from my seat and I went in the bathroom and uh gathered myself and recognized okay Tam this is this is life you have a public life your husband is a public figure um I did this before, and it was three years ago, right? I did this before. I can do this again. I just need to take a moment. (laughs) I just need to take a moment and 
get my head wrapped around this and not be resentful and not be angry that my life isn't what it used to be and that my family doesn't have privacy anymore and that we can be grateful that this is a, an opportunity. And, you know, I just had to wrap my head around it and then I came out and I sat down. And uh, so so it's a challenge, right? It's a challenge to be married to someone who, who's as well-known as he is. Uh, but I think that he does a great job because he has space for everyone. Even if we're in a rush, you know, we'll be in a rush, we'll be late for a plane and somebody will, I'll hear, we'll hear Dr. Peterson. And he stops and he shakes their hands and he asks them what their name is. And then he might say, you know, I have to go, but he, he doesn't ignore anybody. And that's remarkable to watch. It's remarkable to see someone with that much compassion. It's, uh, it's really something. And I, I'm not, I'm not surprised that he has the position that he does have because he can be that person and good for him. You know, that's what I think. Good for him. And, um, when he first became famous, I thought, hmm, let's see what's going to happen to us now because he's famous. And so our marriage isn't what it was. And so if I don't, uh, if I don't decide that this is something that I can be a part of, our marriage is over. So I decided I could be a part of it. And, you know, I started slow. I just went with him. I didn't have anything to do with anything except for making sure he was fed and, and had enough rest. And I did that for quite a long time. And I listened to him and I listened and listened and listened. And really, he'd been a professor. I'd never taken his classes. You're right. I'd never really spent any time focusing on his work. I had done my own thing. But that year, I sat in the audience for, I don't know, 200 shows and listened to everything. And I evaluated the quality of his <laughs> lectures because <laughs> I was there every day. And some days he was not as good as others. And then I would think, what did he do today? Was he tired? You know? So I was really paying attention and trying to make this the best that I could. But the other thing I do is I listened and I learned all the things that he was teaching. And that That's was cool. great. So what an opportunity. And I had no idea really that that is what was going to happen. It just happened that way. And then I think when God came to me, it had something to do with me listening to all of those lectures. And really the Bible was in all those lectures a little at a time. It was in there. And so. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. You did, eh? Yeah. yeah well, I do think that was a part, that was part of why I was able to access uh, my deepest, um, my deepest religion it was because of that. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen in your life. So you have to think about when something like that happens. There's a big shift in our marriage. Um, are you going to be bitter? Are you going to decide that uh, it's not your it's it's not about you, so you're not going to go? Or or are you going to think what's important here? What's important here? I'm his wife. He he's my husband. Uh, that, that bond has been very important to us up till now. It can continue to be important if I decide that I will 
go along for the adventure. And so I've gone along for the adventure. And it's worked out very well for me as well as for him. But for me as well, I have found my place. And uh, I'm very grateful. So I'm very grateful. Why wouldn't I be? You know, I mean, really, it's a, it's a beautiful experience. I know that there's challenges that we're trying to address and people suffer and we want to be helpful. So it's good. Wow. Thank you very much for coming on. Nice talking to you. Thanks for the invitation, Michaela. You know, really, thank you. And thank you for taking on your life like you have. It's, it's, it's wonderful for a mother to see, you know, it's great. Okay, we'll shut this off before either of us start crying. <laughs> okay.